Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We are so thrilled to say that this episode of Kitchen Club is sponsored by Wild a refillable natural deodorant, which is eco-friendly and made from all natural ingredients. Both Serena and I have been using Wild Deodorant for a while and having tried many other brands in our time, we can honestly say that this is our absolute favourite and it actually works, which is such a plus. Oh my goodness, we really have tried them all. And not only is it wonderful for our armpits with natural ingredients and delicious scents like mint fresh, rose blush, coconut dreams, and orange zest, but it's also wonderful for the planet. With a fully sustainable design, the applicator is made from aluminium and recycled plastic details, so it lasts for years, not months. And the deodorant refills are 100% biodegradable, recyclable, and plastic-free. The refills are also extremely convenient as when you're in need of more, Wild simply post them through your letterbox. You can join for a subscription or simply buy as you need. So go wild today and get yourself this natural refillable deodorant that genuinely works. You can order by going to wearewild.com and you'll get 20% off your first order when you use code KITCHEN at checkout. That's wearewild.com and code KITCHEN at checkout for 20% off. Enjoy! Hello and welcome back to a brand new season of Kitchen Club with me, Sarah Malcolm, and my beautiful friend, Serena Lau. Hello, welcome back everybody. For anyone who's new around here, Kitchen Club is the weekly podcast that brings you conversations from around our kitchen table. Each week, we have a brilliant new guest, a new area of expertise to get stuck into, and a new recipe which is created using our guests' three favorite ingredients. This week's episode is a really great one. I mean, they all are, but this one is about a hot topic on CBD. So today's guest is Dr. Danny Gordon, who is a double board certified medical doctor, integrative medicine physician, and world-leading expert in CBD, 
cannabis medicine, brain wellness, and stress resilience. So wow, she really, really knows her stuff and we can't wait to speak to her. She has spoken on cannabis medicine at the UN and to government bodies and is also the author of the CBD Bible, Cannabis and the Wellness Revolution That Will Change Your Life. It's such a brilliant book. I really, really enjoyed reading it. So highly recommend that to anybody who is left wanting more after this episode. Today, we speak to Danny about the difference between using cannabis medicinally and recreationally, who can benefit from using CBD, and whether there is actually any scientific grounding for all the CBD-related period products that we're seeing advertised on Instagram at the moment. Mm, I really think this episode will clear up so much for us. I know I just am fascinated to know more. So it's such an important conversation to be having and we can't wait for you all to listen. So let's dive straight in with the brilliant Dr. Danny Gordon on Kitchen Club. Hello, Dr. Danny Gordon. Thank you so much for joining us on Kitchen Club. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, such a pleasure. We've been meaning to, we've been trying to get you on for such a long time and the year has just kind of taken us by storm, hasn't it? So I'm so glad we can finally connect because I mean, we just have so many questions to ask you. (laughs) But we're going to start with your three favourite ingredients, if you can remember what you told us um, a month or so ago. So I said sunchokes or Jerusalem artichokes and asparagus and avocado, I believe. You did. Wow. You're probably the first guest that's like reeled them off straight away. Everyone's like, what did I say? (laughs) Um, And sunchokes, I had to, yeah, I had to check what that was and was was I unsure? Wait, wait, I was kind of like, oh, Jerusalem artichokes because I've had so many bad experiences with them. But... (laughs) Please may you tell us if there's a reason you love those ingredients or, yeah. Yeah. So, well, Jerusalem artichokes are something I discovered when I used to live in Vancouver, as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm Canadian and British. And there was a farmer's market right around the corner from our house. And they used to, there's a farmer who used to just sell Jerusalem artichokes. It's one of the only things that he he had in his stall, but he sold me on them one day and he told me how to do them, which is basically you chop them up you toss them in a bit of olive oil and you roast them. And that's what I ended up doing. And I just completely fell in love with them as kind of an alternative to other starchy vegetables. And they're so full of fiber. Um, Yeah. So that's how I discovered them. And then I kind of converted my husband into liking them. And it just became this, this thing. Um, Although they're harder to find here in the UK. So I've I've been craving them for a while. (laughs) Yes, they are. I had to search for them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then asparagus, I mean, it's just such a great seasonal ingredient. It's local in the UK, which is great. Um, And then avocados, not local, but also um, one of my favorites because they're just so versatile and um, being really busy and having a baby. The baby can eat avocado. I can eat avocado. You can just toss it in with anything. So I, yeah, I like avocado. (laughs) I was taken back because the first time I ever tried a Jerusalem artichoke was actually when Serena made it for me at a supper club years ago. Do you remember Serena? I was just thinking about that, that I think that was the last time I cooked them and I roasted them as well with like garlic and rosemary and oh, there's a really good Ottolenghi recipe as well for them roasted with like olives and parsley and stuff. It's delicious. 
I they them. are they are so delicious aren't they and Serena I remember when you you made them and I went to town on them because I was like these are absolutely delicious and wow the next day was I like, not a happy girl <laughs> Yes, because they're so they have so much soluble fiber, so they can really they can cause some gastric upset or even <laughs> diarrhea sometimes if you overdo it. My husband had the same reaction; he overdid it and then um, paid for it the next day. I think I eat so much fiber that I'm just so used to it; I don't really react to them. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's how it should be. Maybe I just need to train myself a bit more. <laughs> Build up your tolerance. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, Sarah cooked again. No- normally I do the cooking and actually for the first two episodes of this season, Sarah's done it. So Sarah, what did you make? So Danny, for you, I have made a roasted artichoke and asparagus spring salad with a chimichurri dressing and sort of crumbled feta on top. So the artichoke's actually roasted in the chimichurri dressing which it kind of like bakes it into them and it's delicious lots of herbs and yeah really really yum and I made it and I thought oh I'm gonna have to eat this really slowly (laughs) that sounds incredible I love chimichurri oh me too it's so great and such a great um a great way to get in like leftover herbs and stuff if they're kind of going bad to just whiz them all together it's such yeah. yeah such a great you need to give me a recipe because I love it but I never make it so now maybe I'm going to be inspired yes I shall send send you the recipe ASAP <laughs> delicious I need to try that as well I was actually thinking about you at lunch Danny just now because our veg box just came and we got loads of delicious asparagus so um I've been very very on theme for the podcast today as Sarah said we were We've been wanting to chat to you for so long now, and it's really funny looking back on what a funny year 2020 was for a lot of people. It was an incredible year for you because you had your baby and your book came out. Um, So funny how like a year that was so stressful and so awful in so many ways was actually such a, a cool one for you. Before we get into the world of CBD and everything, it would be great just to know a little bit about you and how you got into this and why you do what you do. Sure. So I'm I'm a medical doctor. I'm a conventionally trained medical doctor. And I also have a second specialty in what's called integrated medicine, which in the States is its own specialty of medicine, just like cardiology or obstetrician and gynecology, that kind of thing. Um, and basically in integrated medicine, we combine evidence-based natural medicine with, with drugs, pharmaceuticals, um, and botanical medicine. So with within that kind of framework of integrated medicine, um, one of my special, special specialties is medical cannabis. Um, so I started using medical cannabis with my patients in Canada many years ago. And it was kind of the last botanical I added to my practice. I I was already using lots of other botanical medicines alongside conventional drug therapy. A lot of times um, to decrease the amount of drugs people have to be on, sometimes eliminate some drugs altogether, depending on the person. And so basically what I do now is I I do integrated medicine. Um, I focus on women's health, women's well-being, mental health, and cannabis medicine. Um, I'm actually opening my practice here in the UK in a few months. So I'm really excited about that. That's wonderful. Um, I had to take a little bit of time out to have my baby river, but um, I'm coming back to that. So in, in my, some of my professional life, I see patients and work within the integrated medicine framework 
And then I also write books. I just wrote a book last year on, it's called the CBD Bible, but it's actually about the whole cannabis plant, not just CBD Mm -hmm. and about medical cannabis. And I'm actually working on my second book right now that uh, my publishers bought for me last year. That's all about resilience medicine, which is really um, what I, what I call what I do now. I call it resilience medicine because really that's my whole thing is making people more resilient, a more hopeful, um, but still really evidence-based approach to medicine, um, incorporating lots of natural medicine. Yeah. So that's basically me in a nutshell. Um, I also had a baby. Um, I also do a lot of nonprofit work. I'm the vice chair of a nonprofit group here in the UK called the Medical Cannabis Clinician Society, which we support um, our doctor and clinician colleagues who are interested in medical cannabis. Um, I've also sit on a lot of nonprofit boards for patient advocacy for access to medical cannabis. Um, And I also work with um, government bodies with drug policy reform. Wow. We have a whole list of questions for you. And as you talk, I've got like a whole new list of questions forming in my mind. If you're, does that mean that hopefully soon, and I think maybe it's starting to happen already, that you'll be able to prescribe cannabis product, like medicinal cannabis in the UK? Yeah, so it's already happening. So I trained the first doctors here in the UK. Oh gosh, it's over two years ago now, which is just crazy how that that time has flown. Um, So yes, it's legal since 2018. There's quite a few doctors, um, many of whom, most of whom I've been involved with mentoring uh, here in the UK, and they're all a wonderful, wonderful group. There's neurologists, there are um, rehab medicine specialists. um, There's a wide variety of people who are now prescribing, and um, then I'll be returning to practice and, of course, opening my own practice. So yeah, I'll be prescribing medical cannabis, um, but in the guide, of definitely integrated medicine uh, context, resilience medicine context, rather than just having a, we're not going to have a cannabis clinic per se, where all we do is cannabis. Um, Mm. I think that there's a lot of those out there and that's great. But uh, for me, I like to see it in the context um, as part of my toolkit and then adding a bunch of other stuff to it as well. Oh my goodness, this is so interesting. I I have nearly finished your book and I'm absolutely loving it. It's so, so interesting. Um, I think off the back of that we've kind of got some some more like factual questions to get into just so that listeners are a little bit clearer on where we're going um so the first one and this actually was one of sarah's questions which i feel like i know the answer to because i've read your book is what is the difference between cbd and thc it's a great question so there's so much I think murkiness with when we talk about cannabis. Um, I was at a mom and baby yoga class the other day, and one of my friends in the class said, "Oh yeah, my my husband takes cannabis oil." And I said, "Oh, did, does he have a prescription? Like, who did he see? I wonder who if he saw one of my colleagues." And she goes, "Oh no, no, he just gets it over the counter." Um, and she didn't realize actually there was a difference between, like we say, CBD oil that you get over the counter in cannabis oil, which more mainly refers to more medical cannabis with THC. So. THC is the most um, well-known psychotropic, which means it can cause, you know, the feelings of feeling high if people take a lot of it, Um, chemical in the cannabis plant. CBD is another chemical in the cannabis plant, and CBD is not psychotropic, meaning it doesn't make you feel high or stoned, and it's it's available in over-the-counter CBD oils. The difference in the stuff that you can get over the counter are they basically just have CBD and sometimes some other um, plant chemicals like terpenoids and minor cannabinoids. 
but they don't have any THC or only a tiny, tiny permissible amount of THC, never enough to make you feel impaired, for example. And the CBD we have on the counter that you can buy in the shops, that comes from the um, a special variety of the cannabis plant called hemp, which is very, very low in that THC compound. On the medical cannabis side of things, we have a whole host of different types of um, cannabis oil. Some of it has high THC, some of it has medium THC, and some of it has low THC, but generally those all need a prescription. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the questions people always ask, well, does that mean THC is bad and CBD is good? No, THC is also used medicinally and it can be very helpful, but in terms of um, what can make you feel high, CBD cannot, and it's available over the counter versus THC is monitored in a more medical context. Obviously, Dr. Danny, we have seen a rise in CBD, especially in the UK at the last couple of years, and it seems to be in absolutely everything at the moment. So for listeners who, and a lot of people ask me about it and I'm like I have absolutely no idea um a lot of people who might be interested in using CBD and integrating it into their lives but they're not really sure kind of what to look out for why should we be looking out for full what's the kind of the difference between the the broad the broad the broad spectrum of the oils um rather than the CBD isolate I don't know if I've asked that kind of correctly, but yeah. yeah. No, that's a really good way of putting it. So um, usually when we think about the the differences between the types of CBD, there's CBD isolate, which is only CBD. It's just the CBD molecule and nothing else. Then we have broad spectrum CBD, which has CBD plus some, at least some other minor cannabinoids, terpenoids, plant chemicals, but no, generally no THC at all. And then we have full spectrum CBD, which contains a trace amount of THC and those other plant compounds. So CBD is the most kind of CBD isolate is the most um, single ingredient, uh, you know, you can think of it versus full spectrum has the most plant ingredients Mm -hmm. Um, here in the UK. Because of the change in legislation that's now happening, it will be, um, we think anyways, we don't know for sure, but it looks like it's going that the way that companies will only be allowed to sell CBD isolate products. That's what it looks like it's going towards. Um, that's not something I am overjoyed about, I have to tell you, but it seems to be inevitable. We, we've tried to um, you know, create some other reasons why that's, that's maybe not the best way to go, but um, that seems to be the way things are going. So soon you're probably only going to see CBD isolate products on the shelves um, when it comes to something you can take by mouth. There are other forms of CBD um, that are kind of up and coming forms, like through the skin. Um, Those still might be um, possible to have some full spectrum and some broad spectrum ingredients because they fall under a different category. Um, But in general, CBD isolate products people find um, just from kind of user feedback. There's no head-to-head trials in humans per se, but they find that it just doesn't work quite as well for their, their what they're trying to use it for, for stress or for uh, stress relief or anxiety um, as the full spectrum or broad spectrum products. The reason for that is because 
cannabis, the cannabis plant, like all botanical medicines, um, relies uh, in part on something called herbal synergy. So um, when I'm dealing with botanical medicines, we usually put botanicals together and we layer them in, in specific ways together to make them work better as a, as a group. The cannabis plant does this um, in, in, the whole, in, the, in the plant itself because it has so many different bioactive plant chemicals. So when you have the CBD isolate, you remove a lot of those things and you just have the CBD left. It doesn't mean it's harmful or there's anything wrong with CBD isolate um, per se, but generally people find they need a lot higher doses to get the same effect. And sometimes they just don't get the same effect as they do with the broader, the full spectrum products. Mm. It's so interesting. Um, I don't know if I'm now going to get this wrong, but am I right in thinking that like this is what's happened all along is that plants used to be used to treat conditions and then pharmaceutical companies took one compound out, turned it into a pill, but then it's often less effective because you've lost all of the other plant synergy bits that make the plant itself um, so effective. Have I got that right? I know I put that really clumsily. No, no, I, I think it's a, it, well, it's a really great point. I think the first thing to say is, you know, I, my, my whole um, view on this is, of course, drugs are not bad. Plants are not all um, amazing because there's some plants that are poisonous, for example. And 40% of all pharmaceuticals that we see behind the, the, the shop at the chemist and that are by prescription have come from plants. So sometimes it's actually good that it's been purified because it's, they're looking for a single ingredient that can be administered for a really serious medical condition in a really controlled fashion. Um, but yes, when you're working with botanical medicines like the cannabis plant and you you pharmaceuticalize it, you you know you pull out CBD and you isolate it or you pull out THC and just isolate it, then you put it back into someone and you're trying to do the same thing as you did with medical cannabis from a whole plant extract. In general, it doesn't work as well. Um, you're absolutely right. With THC, for example, there's some drugs that are synthetic forms of THC. So it's the same molecule. THC has been made in a lab. It's the same molecule as the natural one, but it's just by it itself and it's, it's synthetic and it can be helpful for some symptoms for, you know, nausea and vomiting, um, chemotherapy, associated side effects, that sort of thing. But I have found in my own practice using that versus using full um, botanical medical, you know, medical grade cannabis products, um, the medical grade full spectrum products do work better with less side effects because you're, you know, with THC, you're pulling the most psychotropic uh, ingredient out of the plant without all those other helper chemicals to help potentially balance the, the effect of THC in the brain, in the body. And yeah, people I find tended to get more side effects and less beneficial um, uh, effects. And uh, some of the, the children with epilepsy have found the same thing when they, when they try just the CBD itself, sometimes the seizures don't respond as well as to when they use specific whole plant extracts. And so it can get very tricky uh, and conventional medicine doctors are left scratching their heads because they say, well, how are we supposed to dose these things? And so it's, it's not as straightforward as a drug, but a lot of times, especially with cannabis is a great example. It, it does work better. I know that Sarah wanted to ask about dosing. And I guess with that, I wanted to say like, what, what are the most common conditions that CBD or medical cannabis can help people with? And is there any benefit to people just taking CBD or do you think it's better if they're targeting a specific problem? It's a great question. I, and again, this is an area where we could, I could probably send a whole, as you've seen in the book, there's a whole chapter on dosing, but 
in general, if you're using it for a wellness purpose. So if you just want to take something and add to your wellness stack, like adding CBD to your wellness stack for stress relief, for anti-inflammatory action, just general stuff, I think it's a great supplement. Um, and you can use really tiny amounts. You might not feel anything, feel anything when you take it um, right away, just like you don't feel anything when you take a really high quality fish oil, but it's still giving you that brain benefit in the longer term. So that's kind of how I think about things on the lower dose end of the spectrum, the wellness end of the spectrum with CBD. Um, that being said, I've had patients come to see me for medical cannabis and they'd already tried over the counter CBD for some of their um, sort of kind of mild to moderate pain conditions or mild to moderate anxiety. And even the over the counter CBD, they found really helpful. So technically, you know, those products on the wellness side are not meant to treat a medical condition. They can't actually say that. Um, with with marketing and so forth, but it, it can help some people even even on that that lower level without any THC on the prescription side. Um, Conversely, there are people who have tried over-the-counter CBD um, in small amounts. They haven't noticed any change whatsoever. And they come to see me for medical cannabis because they say, oh, well, I don't know if it's even worth trying, but I've tried everything. And, um, you know, the, the CBD oil I, I bought in um, a high street shop didn't really do anything. And for those people, for example, if they have really bad insomnia, chronic pain, um, spasticity from multiple sclerosis, that sort of symptom clusters, they usually really benefit from medical cannabis with some THC in it, which is by prescription. Um, so it depends on what you're trying to target. And then within each kind of category of symptoms, some people would use it slightly differently at different doses. And even within a certain category, so just for sleep, some people um, respond differently depending on the changes, uh, the differences in their own uh, natural uh, body system, the endocannabinoid system and, and other systems that um, take advantage of, of the cannabis plant um, extracts like CBD and THC. So it's it's kind of more of a, um, a kind of curious self-titration approach on the wellness side. So, you know, I always, we always say start low, go slow. So if you're taking a CBD over the counter product, you just want to dip your toe in the water, just start with a tiny amount, see how you feel and just track mm -hmm. how you feel. If we're treating a medical symptom, we're a bit more scientific about it. And we're saying, okay, we're going to give you this many milligrams of CBD, this many milligrams of THC within a full extract. And then we're going to titrate it based on how you respond to how you respond, what other medications that person is taking. If we're trying to wean them off or down on another medication, like an opioid painkiller, for example, which I do a lot. And um, sometimes the benzodiazepines, for anxiety, which people want to wean down off of because they're getting a lot of side effects. So, it, you know, it, it's a really versatile um, medication. Um, and really the bottom line is cannabis-based medicines and CBD is a quality of life botanical um, and a quality of life medicine. Um, so rather than targeting, okay, we're just going to treat your sleep dysfunction or we're just going to treat your anxiety because it works on so many um, different systems in the body, it can actually help with lots of different symptom clusters at one time. So for example, if you have um, a medical condition like fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome or depression, where you don't just get mood stuff, you don't just get pain stuff, you get lots of different symptoms, you get sleep dysfunction, you get cognitive dysfunction, brain fog. Um, Cannabis-based medicines can often help with many of those symptoms. Uh, so it's kind of killing a few birds with one stone, if you will. And then sometimes you can kind of wean down on some of the other stuff that they're taking um, and, and decrease the side effect profile in increase their quality of life at the same time it feels like magic <laughs> 
I think for some people it does feel like magic because they've tried so many things and um yeah and um in terms of in terms of dosage within food you see a lot of products cropping up with that say oh this chocolate has cbd in or I don't know what else are the products but that I, I feel like I have seen a lot busy waters sometimes yes yes and like r- random things is that actually effective like is that going to have any effect on us or is that more just like oh look a buzzword this has got cbd in it so here's our marketing you know it's kind of like i i well it depends on how much cbd is in it the type of cbd is in it cbd and the absorbability of it so there's some cbd forms that are more absorbable cbd is a fat it's fat soluble so if you just put it um if you just put it in a food or you just take it by mouth in an oil you're only going to absorb probably between 6 to 10% of the CBD. There are some ways of uh, CBD that have been kind of um, tacked up, if you will, so the absorbency is a little bit higher. Um, and there's other means of getting CBD, like inhaling CBD, um, CBD flower, for example, which unfortunately is not really legal here. Some shops sell it. Um, it's legal to buy it, but it gets technical when is it legal to sell it because if you take a whole um, barrel of CBD flour, there's enough THC in the whole barrel to be labeled as a narcotic. So it gets a bit tricky, but generally speaking, um, it depends. Yeah. It depends on, it depends on the CBD and the amount that they're using, but you can kind of think of it. Like if you go to a shop and you see a CBD brownie, um, it's kind of like going to Starbucks and getting a turmeric latte. It's not going to hurt you, but the amount of turmeric that's in that latte is not probably going to decrease joint inflammation if you have arthritis, for example. Um, so you shouldn't be relying on infused foods to, you know, solve a medical issue, but as part of like a lifestyle thing, I think there's nothing wrong with it. It's not going to hurt you. Yeah. Great. I would love to speak about how it helps our period cycle. And this is probably a massive topic, but we love talking about our periods on this podcast. Um, and I've been taking CBD to help relieve pain. Um, so I have quite a lot of questions, if you could speak for this, Danny, please, about, about how we can use it to help our cycle and also about using it topically versus under the tongue or however. And also, yeah, I'll start with that and then I've got another question. Okay. So, um, I'm going to try to sum up a whole chapter in the book, which is the women's health chapter in 30 seconds. But so the, the research in women's health conditions for cannabinoids in general is really lagging behind. And, um, I go into a bit of a feminist rant about this in the book because it really bothers me. Um, <laughs> it Classic, really bothers me. It? Yeah. And, you know, I've had so many experiences with my patients over the years using CBD, using medical cannabis for women's health related issues. And the research is, it is catching up slowly, but it's still pretty preliminary as far as what's published. But what's called real world evidence is what we see with our patients. There's loads. Um, So, you know, there's CBD tampons, there's CBD um, lubricants for, you know, a sexual activity. There's all these kinds of products out there. Um, And most of them haven't been studied in a really strict research fashion, but women find that they do help. And you know, there's, there's what's called biological plausibility here, which means it, it, there's a, there's a mechanism 
by which it makes sense that they would help. So topically, if you suffer from really dry skin down below, or if you suffer from vulvodynia, which is a painful area of skin around the vagina and around the vulva, um, some people find that they put a CBD infused cream or cannabis infused cream on it and it helps them. That may be because we have endocannabinoid receptors in the skin and it's helping with those pain messages. It's helping with inflammation in the skin. The skin's a whole organ in itself. So I think, you know, biologically it makes sense, but we don't have major studies to prove it, but certainly it's probably not going to hurt you. Um, when it comes to using CBD orally by mouth and an oil or um, in, in patches in North America, there's more of this kind of patch technology. Um, so it absorbs through the skin into the bloodstream. I think it can be really effective, but again, there's no huge studies. But if we look at why it might be effective, it kind of makes sense because CBD in itself, um, we think it, it, it seems in preliminary studies in animal models and some preliminary human studies that it actually helps regulate the stress response in the brain. So it helps regulate the hypothalamus, which controls the, the, um, the part of the brain that talks to your adrenal glands to make stress hormone. So of course, if it's, if it's toning down that whole pathway of stress, we know that too much stress hormone can lead to imbalances in the second half of your menstrual cycle and lead to um, progesterone dips potentially and lead to um, stress-induced changes, which causes um, more PMS, more PMDD, which is basically a more um, severe form of PMS. It's a medical condition and also potentially leading to more period pain. So that's on the CBD side of things. Uh, on the THC side of things, medical cannabis, the THC, um, can help with pain in endometriosis. It can help with um, severe period pains where people just are stuck in bed and they're nauseous because THC is anti, it's, a, it's an anti-nausea medication as well. So it can help with nausea, pain. Um, so there's lots of different ways you can, uh, you, you know, you can use medical cannabis and CBD. Um if someone just has kind of moodiness and bloating and grunginess and grumpiness at the second half of the menstrual cycle, so they find it starts kind of around the time they ovulate and then continues till a few days after they start bleeding, um, they can try just taking they can try taking CBD for the whole month, or they can try taking it at a higher dose a few days around the time of ovulation and then take it until um, a few days after they start bleeding. That's what I recommend sometimes for people, and they do find it it does decrease their um, their symptoms. Mm, that's so good to know and and last week's episode we actually had a whole whole episode on your on on your period cycle as a whole and not kind of focusing just on your bleed but how the weeks leading up to that yeah. are probably the most important and absolutely and I don't know if you guys if you guys have Maisie Hill on but I always recommend her book period Power yes. for this yeah yeah Fab. yeah um and then I've been using cbd on putting it on a tampon and i know you mentioned that already danny but how does that work then is that our pain receptors within our vagina is that then absorbing it that way well certainly inside the vagina the skin is is highly absorbable it's like a mucous membrane so things are more absorbable than if you just put it on your skin um but there's no studies looking at cbd infused tampons how that might work um other than we can suppose maybe it's working via anti-inflammation maybe um we, we don't really know is the question mm -hmm. um but i i have met so many women who swear by the cbd infused tampons and they always um 
you know, and I've, I've been asked by some of the companies to endorse them. I said, well, I can't really endorse them because, you know, I have to be careful what I endorse and what I say, because and everyone will have their, my face on their product. But, um, <laughs> I think, I think at the end of the day, if it, if it's helpful and it's not harmful, um, then I'm all for it. I think there's this, there's this kind of attitude in my profession of medicine of kind of being so cautious and so negative and it almost removes kind of that hope um, mm. for pe- that people have. And it almost makes what might be, and I'm not saying it's a placebo, I think it's definitely working in a biological way, but even things that might be placebo, it turns it into what we call a nocebo. So even, you know, it takes the beneficial um, feeling that they're getting away from that therapy and it turns it against them and it makes them feel like they don't, they can't trust themselves and it makes Mm -hmm. them feel disempowered. And even, even a sugar pill, which is a pure placebo, if you take a sugar pill and you think it's an active ingredient, the brain is really interesting. It starts to do interesting things that can potentially, um, change biological pathways based on what you think and what you believe. Um, it's not quite as simple as that. You can't think away depression. You know, you can't just say, oh, I'm just going to wake up one day. I have depression and I'm just going to believe that I don't have depression anymore. It's it, that's, yeah, that gets into tricky territory, but, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, this idea that, you know, doctors have that if there's not a randomized placebo controlled study for it, they basically make people feel stupid sometimes, or they feel like they can't um, use any of these techniques. And in the end, a lot of these things really help people and they make them feel better. I'm so glad you brought up the placebo effect because I think it's the most incredible thing ever. And I think that these days people are so quick to slam the wellness industry, quote unquote wellness. But like, if somebody thinks that drinking a turmeric latte every day makes their hips hurt less, who cares? Let them do it. Like, why, why would you try and disprove that if it helps them? That's amazing. I totally agree. It's, it's, it's one of my biggest pet peeves uh, within medicine, because I think there is a way to do it without giving someone, you know, what doctors are petrified of is getting, giving false hope or, or telling someone something's going to work. And it's, and it's, you know, they're going to waste all their money on this thing. That's basically doesn't have any evidence. And I totally agree. That's not what you want people to do. Um, we want to protect our patients from those types of things um, and spending their life savings on something that's never going to do anything, but things that are cheap, that are easy, that are free, that are affordable and non-toxic, um, they actually help our brains change in a positive direction. So why not? Yeah, completely. And actually, that's a nice little segue talking about brains moving in positive directions. Can we chat a little bit about uh, cannabis and CBD with mental health? I guess, especially anxiety, that's kind of the main one, isn't it? That people seem to be really, really talking about the use of CBD with. Absolutely. Yeah. So CBD, as far as consumer level CBD, like CBD, um, you can get on the high street. It's one of the biggest reasons people are trying it themselves is to help with feelings of anxiety. Um, I think in levels of anxiety in the last year, I think have skyrocketed. I think anxiety, anxiety is a spectrum. Most people experience anxiety to some degree at some point in their life. The, the, the really bad end of it is clinical anxiety disorders, but then 
kind of there's a gradation along there of stress, toxic stress, burnout, anxiety, rumination and worry, type AAA personality, which I would fall under, which is why I have to meditate. <laughs> um, and CBD seems to help with all of these kind of uh, gradations, even clinical anxiety. I, I use medical, high CBD medical cannabis, and it really, really does help. Um, and there's more and more evidence to support it in anxiety, in anxiety disorders, um, PTSD, more on the medical kind of cannabis side of things, of course. Um, but again, CBD can lower the stress response. Um, it's an, you know, there's, there's lots of brain mechanisms probably at play um, to do with the serotonin system that we're just kind of beginning to unravel. It's brain chemistry is so complex that it's hard to say, yes, it's definitely this specific pathway and this specific pathway only that's effective. It, it doesn't really work like that, but um, certainly for anxiety, I think it's an amazing, amazing tool. And a lot of times just over-the-counter CBD is enough to keep people feeling well and helping them calm down. Um, I tell my patients who, who I work with with anxiety disorder to take their medical cannabis or their CBD before they want to sit down and try to do a mind-body practice or meditate or like a little moving meditation for five minutes, just kind of to help get their brain in kind of a, a slower gear. Um, so I, I love it for that. I think the more things we can, we can you know, get people to do that lowers stress and burnout and puts us into a state of ease, um, mm. the better. Uh, forgive me if this is a silly question, but with something like depression rather than anxiety, like for me, I don't know if, okay, I need to get my words out. Obviously I know that sm like smoking weed recreationally, there's different types, right. And some kind of bring you up and some make you kind of sleepy and drowsy. Yeah. So but I feel like the association when we think about recreational use is that it makes you mellow and it makes you kind of chilled. Mm -hmm. Does that then, that makes sense to me when you think about anxiety, because anxiety is kind of a heightened state of awareness. Does it then help with depression? Because if somebody's depressed and they're already feeling mellow and lethargic, is it, is it unhelpful or beneficial to then chill them out even more? That's a great question. The answer is unfortunately a little bit more complex than um, <laughs> I would like, but this is what I'll say about, so depression in cannabis, it's a really, it's a really tricky topic because the first thing is not all depression is the same. Some depression is just completely different than other depressions. Some depression is really influenced um, by things like dietary influences, by hormones. Um, sometimes depression is part of actually more of a chronic fatigue syndrome um, or a chronic pain syndrome that hasn't been diagnosed properly. Um, some, I, I mean, there, there's so many different forms of depression. Depression is kind of this like final end state of the brain goes into protect and withdraw. Um, so that's the first thing. And then there's people who experience depression and anxiety together. So they get anxious and they get, and then they get withdrawn and depressed. So mixed anxiety and depression, um, that's something I do treat with medical cannabis, pure depression. That's really lethargic depression, kind of classic depression symptoms, um, Generally speaking, just taking CBD is not going to just lift that person up necessarily. There's not a lot of evidence for that in the research so far, but what I have found does seem to really help in my patients suffering with depression is microdosing um, medical cannabis. And sometimes what I get them to do is take a tiny, tiny amount in a, in a vaporizer. 
in the morning to help activate them and get them moving. Um, and everyone's different. It depends on the strain, as you've said, uh, of the medical cannabis that they use. It depends on the amount because a little bit of THC in some people with depression can really help lift them, but too much THC is bad news. Uh, the same thing with anxiety. Some people over-medicate anxiety with THC, but then they get a rebound anxiety or they get um, kind of withdrawal symptoms after the high THC from smoking it wears off. So it's, it, you know, what I say about cannabis, cannabis is a power plant. Cannabis is one of these plants that is, it can be so powerful with the effects it has on the brain. So we have to use it with caution, but if we use it with caution, we use it um, kind of in, in an informed way, it can do a lot of different things. So um, recreational high THC cannabis probably not great for depression. Um, definitely not great if you're prone to anything in your family like bipolar or schizophrenia or any psycho psychotic disorders, definitely not, not a good idea. Um, but you know, there, there's a gradation in all these things, even people with schizophrenia, um, which is a disorder associated with, you know, psychosis and hallucinations. Some of those patients actually self-medicate with THC containing cannabis for the side effects of their antipsychotics. And it seems to help. So it's so complicated, um, but THC can potentially trigger a psychosis in some people. So it's who are prone, you know, that way um, already. So it's, it's complicated. I feel like this is the biggest topic we've ever tried to squeeze into one hour on the podcast. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I guess what you're saying, there's not one size fits all for this, as there, as is the case with pretty much everything in life. So exactly. what one person is doing and what one person works, what something works for them, you know, is, is going to be so different in us all because we're all beautifully different. Exactly. But generally, sorry, the CBD generally that you're seeing on the high streets, is quite safe for most people. Mm. This is, this is less factual and more, I'm just interested to know what you think. What, how do you feel about the recreational use of cannabis, knowing so much about it, you know, about the science of it and the medicinal uses? Yeah, I'm, I'm pro legalization. I, for most drugs actually. And that's, that's because number one, I'm a harm reductionist. That's part of my whole principle around medicine. Um, I'm from Vancouver, which was one of the first, um, jurisdictions to use safe injection sites. So I had some of my colleagues, um, and I used to work with some of these patients, not in the injection site, but in the clinic next door where they would come in and they would get help injecting things like heroin in a safe way. Um, and it was very avant-garde even for Vancouver. So that's kind of, and I think it's great because they were getting contact with a health practitioner when they went to those sites. And then if they had an overdose, someone was there to save their life basically. Um, so I, I had so many positive interactions with people, especially youth who were already into hard drugs and they were coming back to see me because I was a safe person. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely a harm reductionist. So I'm pro, I'm pro legalization. Um, the other thing about cannabis and legalization is, you know, I don't really drink alcohol. Alcohol doesn't make me feel very good. It makes me feel awful and hungover the next day. And I always get sick after. So what's the difference for me between having a glass of wine and having a bit of recreational cannabis, as long as you're doing it in moderation. Um, we know that the brain effects of alcohol are far more detrimental than even high THC cannabis in small amounts for most people. Um, so I think morally people have more of an issue with cannabis because of the history of the plant. But actually, I, I think it's a, a lot safer for our brains in small quantities in a social context than, than the amount of alcohol many of us consume on a, on a weekly basis. 
so interesting thinking about swapping out my glass of wine tonight yeah (laughs) I've been told it's okay now yeah (laughs) breaking the stigma I know but there is there's so much isn't it and I guess that's what's standing in the way of the laws changing so that it can be used more readily in a medicinal sense Exactly. I think, you know, in, of course, in Canada, it's legal recreationally as well. And there was this hysteria from some components of the medical community and the public before it was legalized recreationally in Canada. That, oh, everyone's going to, you know, just be stoned. No one's going to go to work. Every, and, you know, it didn't happen. That None of it happened. It was everything just continued on as normal. Um so, yeah, and, and I think the same thing is going to happen with psychedelics. Therapeutic psychedelics is another area of, of my work and my research. And I think cannabis has really paved the way to remove some of the stigma for um, some of these novel um, psychedelic compounds being used in a medicinal uh, context as well. This is, I could literally pick your brain forever. I've been doing a lot of research into like personal research, not scientific research, personal (laughs) research into the use of psilocybin for depression and anxiety. And I think it is fascinating. And I think it's really exciting that, you know, hopefully in the future, a lot of that will, will be doable and will happen. It's, it's happening quite quickly. A lot of the research, um, so I'm, I'm a part of one of the can- councils um, uh, with David, Professor David Nutt's group, Drug Science. So Professor Nutt and his team, um, they're doing amazing research. And um, uh, Robert uh, Carhart-Harris as well, uh, sorry, Robin Carhart-Harris as well. And, you know, they're just finding these incredible results with people who have treatment-resistant depression and PTSD using psilocybin. Um, as a therapy tool. And I think it, it is going to happen quite quickly that it will become legalized. Um, we already have ketamine as a psychedelic psychotherapy tool legally in the UK, although not many people know about it. Um, so these are these are some of the things that, um, you know, in our clinic we'll be, we'll be working with uh, eventually as well. And I think they have great promise. Yeah. That's really exciting. Let's now talk about your healthy habit that you told us about. Um, so I have a few, but I think I kind of merged two together. So every day I get out of nature, um, just for, even if it's just for a few minutes, I find it incredibly healing. And the other thing I like about it is even if you're in a city, you can just go to a park, you can go to where there's two trees and you can just stand there for a few moments and um, just absorb some nature, even if it's listening to a bird. The reason I like it is because Sometimes when you're really stressed out or you're overwhelmed, doing a sitting meditation practice can be too overwhelming for people. But to just, if, if you just get out in nature, it's just something so simple. I, I love the simplicity of it. It's free. It's simple. So I do that every day. And the other thing I do is I do a one minute uh, meditation a few times a day. So usually what I do is I just sit um, comfortably and um, let my belly go, breathe all my air out. And then I just take a breath in in through my nose and try to expand all the little muscles around my ribs and expand and lower picture my diaphragm, the breathing muscle going lower and expanding everything. And then on the exhale, I do a seed sound called ha, which sounds a bit woo woo, but I like it. So I just go. Now, if you're in an office, that might be a bit weird for people. So you can just exhale normally but if you do that for 30 seconds and I teach all my patients this as well even if you're in a really high state of anxiety it it works incredibly quickly to calm your nervous system down 
Um, so that's really my hack. And the reason is because you're moving your diaphragm, your breathing muscle, and that activates your rest and digest nervous system arm. And it's kind of like magic. Mm. Great. I love how you called it a resilience reset as well. That's, I like that name for it. Yeah. that's very similar to a breath that I've just been taught I'm training as a hypnotherapist and we do something called tension release breathing where it's an inhale through the nose a short hold and then a very long slow exhale so it yeah. sounds it sounds very similar to that and that's super effective I love doing that exactly the same thing exactly the same thing there's all these different ways of calling things and um different breathing techniques but you're exactly right it's you're doing exactly the same thing and, and my husband's a clinical therapist so i know oh. that too it's amazing oh, that's awesome and i yeah. think um the getting out in nature healthy habit is also so so valuable and this year's mental health awareness week is the the focus is is nature isn't it um and we had an episode with Poppy Okocha last season about the importance of, of connecting to nature. And I actually find if I'm feeling overwhelmed, even to stand outside and stare at the sky, you know, if you're not around, if you can't get to a park quickly or you're not around some trees, just staring at the sky and like taking it in for a few moments does so much, so much good. I totally agree. Just mm. these little things. Yeah. Yeah. Little things, little nuggets that we can all, all, do in our day thank you so so much Danny this has been absolutely incredible I literally could ask you a million more questions well I'll I'll have to have you guys back because I'm watching my podcast soon so I'll have to have you guys on that's That's so so exciting congratulations thank you um I'm launching the the blog to go along with it in the next few weeks which is called resiliencemedicine.life And it's basically just building a community about sharing all my resilience practices and I'll have downloads and I'll have a few free courses and I'll have the, eventually I'll have the podcast once I actually get it recorded and (laughs) it's the next step. You're Wonder Woman. You have a young baby. You're about to launch your practice. You're writing a book. You're about to do a podcast. I actually have a research paper coming out next month too that I wrote um, in the last few months with an amazing colleague of mine. So yeah, I've been very busy, but I have lots of support. Maybe this is the power of plants. Add a bit of CBD to your schedule and suddenly you're superwoman and can do everything. Thank you so, so much, Danny. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you. You guys too. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom with us. Pleasure. I'm happy to come back and share more. Thank you so, so much, Dr. Danny, for joining us today. That was absolutely fascinating. I think it's really exciting what the science is revealing about the use of cannabis. Personally, I think it's really cool that plant medicine is is kind of being recognized and destigmatized and used more and more. It's something that I'm super interested in, the use of medicinal plants for mental health and physical health. So yeah, I hope that this kind of excited you and whetted your appetite as much as it did mine. You've got a wet, wet, wet appetite. (laughs) (laughs) If you would like the recipe for today's episode, you can find it on our Instagram page at Kitchen Club Podcast. So we really, really hope you'll enjoy that delicious salad of Danny's. And we'd also love it if you could come and support us over on Patreon page if you are able to and just show a little bit of love for the podcast. We we shall leave the details for 
everything in this episode in the show notes below as well as our Patreon page. And we will be back in your ears next week for more interesting conversations. Bye, everyone. Bye. Enjoy your fart jokes. <laughs>